Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? I am doing great, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode. Kind of excited for this one. It's been a while since I've done a solo Masunas review without my boy Jameson by my side. You know, usually when I'm solo, it's either doing an underground hour or I'm doing, you know, a bonus, you know, brand new movie just hit the theater. It's been a long time since I've actually done a movie by myself so it's gonna be interesting but like i mentioned in the last episode you know i definitely want to keep stl going you know it's very therapeutic for me to continue to podcast as i'm looking for a new job and got some updates for you and there's a lot to talk about with this movie so i don't really want to mess around too much uh got some really cool announcements to make later on in the episode but for now let's roll into some uh, quick movie and music news Alright guys, so first up in movie news, as you know, this was the week of Comic-Con, or I should say Comic-Con is officially over, and we got a crap load of news, announcements, all that fun stuff. I highly recommend that you guys go over to Flix Podcast and download one of the newest episodes where Jason and Dan do like an hour and 40 minutes worth of Comic-Con coverage. It's good times. More detail than I'm going to give you. I'm basically just going to give you some highlights of some things that I dug and all that fun stuff. So, needless to say, let's talk about some Wonder Woman. So, as you know, with the whole Batman versus Superman thing, I've been very excited about it. And then I got to a point where I was just getting sick and tired of it. And then after images came out and all this and that, I got real excited for it. As you know, a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, I recorded an episode on my thoughts on Ben Affleck and where things are going to go. So needless to say, I'm even more excited now that we got uh, the new picture out with, you know, Ben Affleck with uh, the you know, top of his head, and then of course the Comic Con is going crazy with Batmania. It's like Batman. It's like Batman 1989 all over again because this is the 75th anniversary of Batman, and DC is going all out. You know, they did this huge expo at Comic Con. Of course, they revealed the actual suit that Ben Affleck is going to be wearing. So it looks cool. I've posted it before, but it's cool. All this Batmania stuff. It's awesome. But as you know, at Comic Con. They did uh, kind of a quick teaser trailer, if you will. Zack Schneider just shows up, says, here you guys go. And it's basically right out of the comics. Ben Affleck in the big suit, uh, ready to take on some Superman. And while I've been job hunting, I've had a chance to 
luckily, I bought a PS4 before I lost my job because the last thing you want to do is buy a PS4 after you lose your job, right? So uh, I'll admit there's not a lot of content out there and I'm not a first person shooter kind of guy. I'm an action adventure kind of guy. All the good games are coming out next year. But some of my favorite games have been remastered for the PS4. And I know you're like, what the hell does this have to do with Batman vs. Superman? I'm getting there. So, uh, these games that I've loved, which would be Tomb Raider, the reboot, got uh, remastered, looks excellent. Today, The Last of Us just came out, which is my second favorite game of all time. Arguably the greatest game on the PlayStation 3. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit with the movie. But Injustice, Gods Among Us, was an excellent game on the PS3. Uh, As you know, or you may not know, uh, in that game, um, essentially, there's two different worlds. We have a good side and a bad side, and they collide. It's an excellent story. It's, uh, you know, kind of the good Batman trying to take out the bad Superman. and, And as I've been, you know, unemployed and stuff, the family and I, we got Injustice for the PS4. I got a really good deal on it. It was like buy two, get one free. And I was like, "Ah, I'll try this on the PS4. And of course, it looks great, fantastic. But playing the game over again in the story mode, I was like, man, this is a fantastic story. I so want to see a Justice League kind of story like this where they just did a really great job of of utilizing all the characters in the story, not just focusing on Batman and Superman. I know we got to get Batman versus Superman before we get the Justice League movie, but I'm saying that I'm ready now. You know, I got the Batman I've always wanted, the serious down-to-earth, you know, Dark Knight trilogy. Now I want the fantastical side of Batman, which is what we get in the Justice League. So needless to say, I am so pumped. You know, when I'm seeing comic book to screen, it's pretty awesome. And you see this trailer, it just made me think of like, wow, you know, if Injustice has such a great Justice League story, maybe, you know, we'll get a great Justice League story when the movie comes out. Who knows? But needless to say, I am super excited. That's kind of the point I'm trying to make is that my excitement just keeps building and building and building. And DC pretty much really whooped on uh, Marvel's rear end finally because, you know, DC always sucks compared to Marvel when it comes to the movies these days. So then we get the release of Wonder Woman, Gail Godot, and looks great, man. I love the, I love the look. It looks really awesome. And I am very open-minded. I'm, you know, very excited to see it. My wife, of course, she saw it. She's like, eh, I don't know. You know, doesn't really look too Amazon to me. But it's cool. Everybody has their opinion. I am just ready to see what we get delivered. You know, I know we're still filming. But I like all these posters that Zack Schneider has created. Just the perfect mood. I like how all the suits all coexist in the same universe, which is really good. He's really got a great mind for that. So... I dig the photo. I thought it was excellent. It was very, very good times. Now, uh, outside of the comic book world is The Last of Us. Now, uh, briefly, The Last of Us is a PS3 exclusive, which just got remastered to the PS4. Now, we've talked about 60 frames per second, but when you do it to video games, it's a little bit different. Essentially, it's a 30 frames per second video game that remastered goes to 60 frames per second and originally is in 720 now it's going to 1080i so clearly the graphics have a much better more fluent it's just an overall redone game i just got it today i got it for 15 bucks brand new because if you trade in your ps3 game 
you get the PS4 game for 50% off. Plus, I had a $10 coupon cash off. So it, it was pretty awesome. And I've been enjoying it so far. So the movie has been announced. And I have to admit, uh, I am... I'm very uh, optimistic when it comes to this movie. I mean, let's face it. All video game movie adaptations suck. None of them are ever good. I like the fact that Sam Raimi, uh, Sam Raimi is attached to this because he can really do horror and comedy, which The Last of Us is is a is a, basically a story of two people. It's a big, big story. It's not just about fighting zombies. It's about two people trying to survive together two people from two different worlds coming together and the main star would be the girl the 13 year old girl named ellie who who swears more than any character that you've seen anywhere she's just she's the heart and soul of the whole game you know and i'm like don't screw this up man this this game is beloved by the PS3 community i know even xboxers who have gone out to buy a PS3 just to play this game it's like a, it's a fantastic story. It's got a lot of heart, a lot of emotion. Um, it's the most, probably the most realistic video game I've ever played. It's fantastic. I can't, you, I cannot give the game enough love. So I'm hoping that this movie, uh, you know, I asked my wife. I said, this girl from Game of Thrones has uh, kind of in talks to be Ellie. What do you think? She goes, yeah, she's got a mouth in Game of Thrones. I think it could work, as we all know, Ashley Johnson is the voice of Ellie, who was the little girl in Growing Pains. Uh, she did all the voice and motion capture. Troy Baker, who is also the voice of the Joker in the Batman Arkham Origins video game. He's actually a younger guy who they make look older in the video games. So hopefully those two are supposed to have a cameo in the movie. That's what I've heard. It'd be excellent. They said we would love to take Ashley Johnson and make her, you know, 13, but we can't do it. So I- I'm glad they're going to take their time and uh do this justice because he says we the writer of the video game is the writer of the of this movie so that is promising now uncharted uncharted is a fantastic video game series it's amazing i love all three games that's going to be a movie and surprisingly that took the amazing spider-man 3 release date because that was supposed to come out in 2016 but as we know that got pushed to 2018 because part two, I guess, did not do as well. Now, I probably have less faith in this Uncharted movie than I do the Last of Us uh, movie. Because, you know, Uncharted, Nolan North is the voice of the character. And Nolan North is currently in uh, Pretty Little Liars. He's the voice character of many, many, many video game characters. Uh, Nathan Fillion would be the main guy that people would love. But he's just not young enough to be the character. So, I'm interested to see where we go with that uh, Uncharted movie and casting and all this and that. So I'm hoping that these, you know, these two games that are in my all-time favorite video game series and just the video game itself, I hope that movies will do the video games justice, but time will tell. And finally, in music news, it's been a while since I've done music news. As you know, the new Linkin Park CD came out, uh, I'd say about a month and a half ago. I said I would go ahead and review that album, and the time is officially here to review that. Now, I also did promise, because last week I couldn't record this episode, that I would be delivering you my, uh, what is it, my my Katy Perry Top 10. But, as you know, that currently is not live, 
on the feed, but I promise you I will get that out to you as soon as possible. Uh, hopefully by the end of this week or beginning of next week, I still have to work on that. But the Lincoln Park CD, uh, let's talk about that for a little bit here. Now, the new CD is called The Hunting Party, and you know, Minutes to Midnight is my favorite album from them. It's so diverse, and I think a lot of fans are kind of torn on that album, and they kind of went a different direction after that. But this is trying to go back to kind of the older school days of uh, bringing in more of the rap with the hard rocking in there. And uh, this one's a solid eight. It's not as perfect as I was hoping it was going to be. There's some really good tunes in there. There's other ones that are kind of skippable, uh, but it's definitely better than the prior album the prior album i think only had like three favorite songs this one i got like six so it's pretty good i recommend it go to itunes go through each song see which one you really dig and then from there you know download i would say you might actually like that better than getting the whole entire album but you know if you're a big lincoln park fan then you're definitely going to dig the cd overall if you're not really a huge lincoln park fan then i would say kind of pick and choose uh, and, and take it from there. But I know it's been a while since I said, hey, you know, I'll go ahead and review that once it comes out. And, you know, it came back in early June. But I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. I give that one a solid eight. So, with that being said, guys, that's what I got for movie and music news. So, let's get into the review of Gremlins 2. Remember the last time we told you not to feed them after midnight. We told you to keep them away from the light. And the most important warning of all, we told you to never, ever get them wet. You didn't listen. They're mutating. Sir, is the building on fire? No, no, that's a false alarm. Are you trying to panic New York City? Absolutely not. So the monsters are real? I didn't say that. Gremlins 2. The new batch. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. All right, guys, let's talk some Gremlins 2. Now, this movie is definitely 100% different than the original movie. Because the original movie, uh, due to the fact I'm psycho, is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. That's a movie that takes place during Christmas. Very twisted, uh, kind of a scary movie. And then this one is a very... uh, Pokes fun at itself. uh, Breaks the fourth wall a lot. Just a very different kind of comedy. The first one had very uh, comedic moments, but uh, this one is way far and beyond comedic compared to the first one. Uh, obviously, they're they're in the same universe. I mean, it, it's definitely a perfect one-two punch, but it's one of those sequels that uh, luckily the same director came back, so it was still his vision, 
And that's why he came back to be able to do what he wanted to do. So with that being said, let's get into this uh, review because there's a lot to talk about, uh, a lot of a lot of similarities, a lot of differences, uh, just overall fun factor and uh, kind of see, is this movie better than the original? Uh, if it is, why? If it's not, why not? So on and so forth. So the original came out 1984. This one came out in 1990. So as I said, it's the same director, Joe Dante, who, as you know, did American Werewolf in London. Uh, we have returning characters, Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, uh, excellent uh, music still by Jerry Goldsmith, which is amazing because he had a phenomenal soundtrack. I love that soundtrack. Uh, clearly, we got more money in this thing. Budget's $50 million. Uh, surprisingly, the box office, $41 million. So this movie did not make its budget back. And I don't know if that's because of how different the movie was, word of mouth, whatever the case may be. Clearly, this movie is, is beloved now. So the movie starts off, and it's very different. We start off with Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny and you're kind of like wow this is a a whole new turn it's a real funny segment in the beginning and then after their little spiel you get the credit sequence and then you see you're in big old New York and we immediately go to where kind of we left off in the first one as we know uh, Mr. Wing took Gizmo back and we see his shop and we have uh, Mr. Clamp who is got to be the nicest boss on the face of the planet I mean this guy I've always enjoyed this character because of just kind of not, he's such a crazy millionaire and uh, such a crazy fanatic, um, just brilliant mind, if you will. And he's so like, so I don't want to say innocent, but he's so naive. You know, this guy, he clearly doesn't know what's going on. He's just all about money and building things, but he's a super nice guy, super nice guy. I mean, it feels like it would take, you know, Armageddon to piss this guy off. I mean, this guy is super laid back, very cool, but he, he gets his little wingman, uh, which I like to call the douchebag uh, cowboy from inner space. Uh, basically, he shows up to Mr. Wing's place to say, hey, you're the last place that we need to buy to tear down this place so that we can build, uh, make bigger buildings around here. You know, you like little things, we like big things. But Mr. Wing, he's getting sick and... We see Gizmo in the cage. You know, first thing we actually hear is uh, Gizmo say no. It's the first words we actually get out of him, which is funny. But uh, he's all about uh, Rambo, watching cable, watching TV and stuff. And it's funny. When my daughter was, was watching this with me, uh, as soon as they saw Rambo, uh, my, my oldest daughter says, hey, it's the expendable guy. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But needless to say, um, Mr. Wing, he's sick. And it's about six weeks later... He dies, but in the meantime, we get the very much updated gizmo. Now, I got to say this. There's only one terrible sequence in all of Gremlins in the first movie. That's where they're all together, uh, hundreds of them, to go to Mrs. Deagle's house. It's a really bad shot. Even the director said that was the worst shot he ever did. He'll never do that again. Now, I will say with this movie, there isn't one particular terrible shot but there's a few kind of bad coloring sequences that we'll talk about that kind of make it a little bit of a stumbling block when you're comparing it to how salad your first movie was when it came to effects. But essentially, um, when they show Rambo 
I'm hoping that that's like a commercial because it's totally out of sequence. When he's like, to survive a war, you got to become war. And then they show him pulling the bow and arrow to blow stuff up, which clearly happens at the end of the movie. And when he says, when you got to survive a war, you got to become war. He says that in the middle of the movie. So I'm hoping that was just the trailer on TV. And I mean, clearly it's to set up later on what's going to happen with gizmo gives him some ideas to be rambo and stuff but it's a real cool sequence we see the kind of the revamped gizmo looks very awesome and in fact when you just look at overall promotional material the gizmo from gremlins 2 is the one that's on all the cover art of gremlins 1 on all of the toys they sell you know anything that says gremlins on it Regardless if it has a 1 attached to it or a Gremlins 2, it's always this gizmo from this movie because he looks so much better. Uh, There's things that they did with him. For example, they made him walk. They made him run. So on and so forth. We'll talk about. Uh, There's some sequences in part 1 I think gizmo looks actually cuter than he does in this movie. Uh, But in this movie, he's 100% solid. He has the same solid look the whole movie versus in the first movie... There's various sequences where Gizmo kind of had a different looking face. You know, they just couldn't get it right. But sometimes he looked absolutely, you know, gorgeous, beautiful, you know, so real life. I mean, let's face it, Gizmo is 100% cute. Love the guy. But in this one, they were able to capture a look on Gizmo, give him a little bit more of an update, give him more fur. You know, he's kind of like more of a big pudgy cat, if you will. Uh, So I would say that the Gizmo in number one, is probably an 8 out of 10. And then this one would be a 10 out of 10. He's perfect throughout the whole movie. Even his sequences where the coloring is off because they're trying to put in the special effect, he still looks good in all those sequences. So Gizmo, two thumbs up in this movie. Fantastic. So Mr. Wing, he essentially dies uh, just due to old age. He's got a really bad cough. And uh, they decide that they're going to tear down the place and Gizmo, as sad as could be, my girls are just like, oh, every time they see Gizmo, just real sad, got the bracelet around uh, around his wrist. Gizmo sees the place getting tore down. He runs out of there, ready to uh, just ready to escape. The problem is, Gizmo's in the daytime, folks. Hello, we all know this is part of the rules. You cannot have Mogwai in the sun or they will die. So this kind of sucks that they would do this. Granted... <sighs> I guess here's my problem. If a stupid nightlight hurts his eye, well, I shouldn't say nightlight. If just a regular light hurts him, how in the hell was his eyes not hurting him when he was in this? Granted, I know it was a shaded area of the sun, but still, it's ridiculous that they did this. But you got to forgive it to move on to the story. Needless to say, when Gizmo's walking, the color is off. I mean, Gizmo's kind of more of gray in this area, so you could tell that they just couldn't get the special effect right. But it was better than him crawling on all fours like he was at the end of part one. So I give him A for effort in that aspect. We get the two twins uh, from Terminator 2. The the guy that would get the uh, spike through his eye, which we all know was his brother that did that to him. These are the twins, same guys. Uh, They pick up Gizmo, take him back to Mr. Clamp's place. So then we get the introduction to Billy. Uh, It's great having him back. Funny enough, I watched the Hatchet movies, Hatchet 3. And Zach Galligan was in this movie. He was a total dick. Man, I was like, my my wife and I were like, hey, we both can agree he's awesome as Billy, but we really want him to die in this movie, right? We're like, yeah, 
She's like, okay, cool. I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. He was terrible, man. He was just a complete jerk off in that movie. But needless to say, uh, it's great seeing Billy back. He's awesome. We get Phoebe Cates back. She plays Kate, as you know. She's got shorter hair in this one. Immediately, they're letting you know things have changed. They moved to the big city, uh, real big place. Things are kind of rude in the beginning as they decide that they need. They both work in the same place at uh, Clamp Cable Network. And they can't get a taxi. People are just rude. I love the fact that this building is like a big mall. But what's so funny about it is the movie does an excellent job of making fun of this location. It's this supposedly big, huge, gorgeous building, state of the art, and it never works. You got people going through the elevator. They get stuck or they go like 50 miles an hour around. They, and then they run out of the elevator and crash into other people. The lights never work or uh, they have all these funny announcements going on about like, ooh, Casablanca, check it out now with the happier ending. The whole building itself is as much of a, com- uh, a comedic uh, character as the gremlins are because as the gremlins throughout this movie are tearing things apart you have the building there tearing that's either tearing down or the building just has some funny quirks going on within it so it's really great that they decided to move to this building for the second story that's what really helps drive this story they don't just do a ghostbusters 2 let's do everything we did in part one but change it up they completely go bigger and badder in this one but it's not like Arnold style where you got to blow everything up the action in this movie is I would needless to say maybe even less than the action we had in the first one which is kind of funny because you think in the sequel you get more but I would dare say we get less action in this one than in the first one if you really compare each movie especially if you watch them back to back now as we're being reintroduced back to Billy and Kate we find out Mr. Futterman actually lived Uh, At the end of part one, even though we clearly know he died, but the producers decided to bring him back anyways for the sequel. We forgive it because we really like that character, so it's okay. But we find out that they're supposed to be in town. And then we find out that uh, Kate is kind of a tour guide and Billy is in the art department. Now, there's a particular character in this movie that I do not like. And the name of that character is Marla... Uh, which is Billy's boss. Now, every character in the first movie, even um, Mrs. Deagle, I, lo- I loved every single character. Each character had its own particular purpose, but this this character, just annoying. Ugh, she's so annoying. She's ridiculous. I really can't stand this character. I wish they would have got rid of her completely. She's useless, pointless, worthless. Ugh, terrible. Can't stand her. Ugh. Anytime she's on the screen, I'm just like, Ugh, fast forward. So, and needless to say, uh, Billy, he does excellent job uh, artwork wise. She always brings him down, says, "Oh, you got to do this. You got to do better. You know, add some palm trees to your already awesome artwork." And then Mr. Clamp later on come in and say, "Hey, that looks beautiful. Get rid of the palm trees." And then they both agree. But Marla, ugh, I can't stand her. She's just, she's just stupid. So, needless to say, uh, then we get kind of the rules of the building because we had ridiculous rules with the first movie about eating after midnight so the actual building has funky rules about how you have to have authorized artwork and you can't have ashtrays and you can't do this and you can't do that and in fact we actually have a few characters if you've seen the movie the burbs with tom hanks uh the old guy that lived across the street, you know, the main Mr. Burb. Uh, he is the guy that gets caught smoking and gets fired. 
And then the real funny guy, Tom Hanks' buddy, uh, he's actually the security cop that gets his nose bit by uh, the crazy, you know, crackhead gremlin, as I like to say. So it was kind of cool seeing those two characters in this movie. That was really cool. Now, one of our main guys is uh, is Fred. He's a guy that dresses up as Dracula. He's all about the classics, likes to play black and white stuff. Mr. Clamp doesn't want to do that. But he is the guy that is kind of the uh, the in-between person. Uh, he's, re- he's really good friends with Billy, and he eventually gets to get in the inside with the gremlins because once the gremlins take over later on in the movie, everybody's trapped outside. He's the guy inside. He gets to do the new scoops, all that fun stuff. Uh, and, of course, the guy from 16 Candles, hello, hot stuff. Uh, I-, I love that guy. He's the guy that has the camera. Uh, so Fred, really cool guy, dressed up as Dracula the whole movie. He is definitely uh, definitely fun. Uh, I believe, yeah, his name's uh, Robert uh, Prasky. And you've probably seen him in, like, Rudy, Mrs. Dotfire, Dead Man Walking, Broadcast News, Hoffa, Christine, uh, so many movies. Christine, he was the the main, you know, the guy that held the garage that uh, Arnie would go in to fix up Christine. That's probably another movie you would really remember this guy from. But he's really excellent as Fred in this movie. It's good times. Now, uh, let's talk about uh, kind of Gizmo. We see him kind of get toward gizmo really gets the shaft in this movie i mean first off he gets captured by you know the twins from terminator 2 and you know they're gonna do all these tests on him and christopher lee walks in and christopher lee uh, was supposed to be dr loomis in the halloween movies and thank the lord that never happened because donald pleasance killed it and christopher lee oh that would have been terrible I know there's some Christopher Lee fans out there. You probably like them as Count Dooku, but I've never liked this guy. I think he's terrible. He's not a terrible actor. I just never liked the guy. There's a difference between recognizing that somebody's a really good actor and you just don't like him versus you don't like him because you're a terrible actor. He's a great actor. I just think he's terrible. So there you go. And he is the guy that runs the place in the lab in the scientific lab does all these studies and they go and they find gizmo uh, gizmo is just sad and stuff and the guy's like let's play some music gizmo gets up looks at the camera he's all smiling he's like hey it's time to rock and roll then we get the bad coloring where gizmo starts to dance uh, well he walks out and starts to dance uh, the coloring looks really bad here because you can tell they're they're filming one area and they're filming the other and they're trying to put it together it doesn't look quite right but gizmo still looks amazing in the sequence and it's really funny. Tries to escape. I love the close up on his face. Then we'll just have to cut you. And he's like, <gasps> you know, Gizmo's face is fantastic in this one. And then throughout the movie, man, he gets his ass handed to him, man, from the gremlins. And, you know, he got beat up in the first movie, but at least he came back and he did some damage to those guys, you know, just by like helping Billy, you know, find Stripe and then eventually blowing up the movie theater. This one, the whole movie, he's either stuck in a drawer he's in a vent he's in a vent he's getting his butt handed to him the only time you see him is the last 10 minutes of the movie that's really the downfall of this movie is the fact of gizmos in the first movie the whole movie this one eh, he gets the shaft and it really really sucks now it's great when we get billy and gizmo back together again uh gizmo essentially is whistling this guy's dropping off a package and he hears the whistle and he starts to sing it when he's delivering a package in Billy's department. Billy's like, hey, where'd you hear that song? Oh, you know, it's a Sting song. He's like, no, 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 it's not Sting. He's like, oh, yeah, I heard it in, uh, I think it was Department 25 or something. So Billy goes, rescues Gizmo, 
takes him to the bathroom. They have a great moment together. It's excellent. And he just tells Gizmo, hey, you know, you don't want to go back to that place, right? He's like, no, 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 I don't want to go there. He's like, how about you just hang out in my drawer here? You know, Gizmo just kind of looks around. He's like, you want me to stay in this thing? I don't think so, you know, uh, which is really funny. And uh, I just love Gizmo's face. is just fantastic. When uh, Mr. Clamp comes and he's just really giving Billy, just praising him for his artwork and uh, notices that the drawer keeps opening because Gizmo keeps bumping it and uh, Billy gives him this BS reason of why the drawer keeps opening. Gizmo just like, you know, he just looks up at Billy just kind of like, huh, that's a good lie there. And then he decides to put some paper clips together, get out of the uh, drawer and go on a hunt. And of course, if Gizmo did not disobey, we wouldn't have a movie, right? In the first one, it was Corey Feldman's fault that we had Gremlins. In this one, it's Gizmo's fault. So, you know, maybe that could be the reason why he gets punished throughout the movie is because he's the cause of this. But Gizmo, in my eyes, is always innocent. So, you know, whatever. Ha! I can say that because I love Gizmo. So, uh, Gizmo eventually... Uh, he gets wet by a janitor. It actually goes on Billy's um, his picture, which you know looked really beautiful, but now it's tarnished by uh, you know water. Here's the cool thing they do in this one that they do so much better in the first one. In the first one, when we get all the Mogwai, they all look exactly the same. You can't even tell the difference. The only one you could tell the difference is the one that has a stripe on his head, which obviously becomes stripe. This one, they're like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to do that crap. We're going to give each one their own personality. We're going to give each one their own color. It was brilliant. This time around, each one of these Mogwais has their own personality. And in fact, they have such a personality that you actually can follow them when they become a gremlin later on in the film. For example, we have the book the buck tooth guy that when he takes the the furnace vent off and, put, and hits the other guy and his eyes kind of roll in the back of his head later on they'll have a scene as gremlins where he throws a pot or he throws a pan in that guy's face before he throws it in the microwave so these guys have a distinct look the whole movie which is excellent really tells them apart we have the one guy who's he's pretty much the only good mogwai outside of gizmo his, he's just super hyper. His eyes go crazy. But let's face it. He never kills anybody the whole movie, which is pretty outstanding. Every other Mogwai is all about killing folks. This is the only one that when he becomes a gremlin, you know, granted, he's, he takes Billy later on in the chair and says, is it safe? And tries to drill into him. But, you know, he doesn't actually kill anybody the whole movie. So, uh, but this guy, he gets mistaken for gizmo because billy tells kate hey you need to take gizmo take him home she doesn't want to do that but she remembers the rules of course billy he's kind of blackmailed to go out with marla on a stupid date that he doesn't want to go to she finds out about it because she sees him walking with marla so billy's gonna be in hot water when he gets home but you know she goes picks up gizmo which she thinks is gizmo but gizmo's locked away from the mogwai takes the crackhead home and he did and at that point chaos ensues he starts to uh throw chicken at her and uh eat some corn on the cob real fast starts to destroy the place billy comes home got a big kiss uh you know he's got uh what is it lipstick all over his face she notices it never says a word and he gets attacked with twinkies and he's just like kate where'd you find this guy and that's when he realizes oh crap gizmo got wet here we go again but mr futterman shows up and it's a real funny sequence it's good times and they basically say no you can't stay here you know what i love though is right before they let him in 
is this guy is super hyper. Billy gets a hold of him. He's trying to get out of his hand. But the moment he sticks him in the bag, it says, if you ever want to get out, you need to shut your mouth. And that's when the little guy says, I know. And I always thought that was funny. You know, one thing with Gizmo, when Billy first gets him, he kind of purred like a cat a little bit when, you know, he was in his arms. It, it was something they did different with Gizmo uh, this time around is kind of give him that that real happy her sound but of course gizmo's not happy the rest of the film so you won't hear that again i did think that was a little bit interesting but i guess they wanted to kind of change things up a little bit with gizmo i forgot to mention that a little bit beforehand but anyways mr Fudderman shows up it's real funny how they get rid of him and then they decide that okay we need to go back to the camp you know cable network and we need to find everybody before you know they eat after midnight and of course when they show up people are stuck in the elevator and there's this overhead of like if this is your car, please remove it. It is old and dirty. And there's just these funny commentaries going on as they're trying to find all these guys. Now, the Mogwai, they're all out. It looks like a set. looks like a food mall. Uh, they get inside the health food, scares a bunch of people. That's when they realize it. But they've all eaten after midnight. So Billy goes to shut the water off. And that's when he doesn't realize the Mogwai are actually above him. They're now in their cocoon. And that's when the one guy from the Burbs... The guy, uh, Tom Hanks' friend, shows up. He gets attacked by the crackhead, Mogwai, and uh, gets his nose kind of bit off. And Billy goes to jail. Now, of course, he gets out because uh, Kate uses the next month's rent to get Billy out. And he's like, oh, I've been out six hours. you know." And she's like, when are they going to hatch? He goes, they're going to hatch soon enough. And next thing you know, boom, they start hatching. Now, Gizmo at this point, he's still in the vent. He's walking, cute as ever, falls through the vent, happens to land at the moment that the gremlins are uh, hatching. Just like he was in the first one, he was in the room, but he was inside the little helmet. And uh, what do the gremlins do? They beat up Gizmo, of course. Now, it's kind of Stripe 2.0, kind of the leader of these guys. His stripe isn't uh, hair, it's actual spikes on top of his head. He doesn't, you know, talk or anything. He doesn't really. He doesn't talk nearly as much as Spike as Stripe ever did. Uh, but these guys, they look exactly like they did as Mogwai, but now they're gremlins, and that's when the the leash of terror begins within the building. And you know, one thing I've always loved is the gremlins always call Gizmo Gizmo Kaka. Always thought that was funny. There's actually a shirt out there that says Gizmo Kaka on it. I don't know what it is. It's so stupid and immature, but I just always love it and wait for that part to happen in the movies where like Gizmo Kaka. I don't know. It's stupid, but I always enjoy that. It's like when you know the gremlins are here, it's when you hear those words. Now, I do like the the cook, Marge, because she has this real funny line. You know, she's sitting there all like telling people how to cook and she has this like toodle, this toodle noodle, as she says. But when the power goes on, they're like, just go ahead, Marge. And she goes, oh, the show must go on. And she says, chowdered neutered. Who wants to eat some chowdered neutered? You know, I don't know if she meant to say neutered, but why would you want to eat any food that says neutered in it? And then, of course, that's when the gremlins, you know, they show up and they destroy the place and everything. But I just I like Marge. She's funny. She had that funny line. It, I don't know if it's a mistake or whatever, but it, it was good times. Now, if we're talking montages, the first movie is obviously better. 
because there's, you know, the bar sequence is phenomenal. You got the great music, the great dancing. It's just a good, fun time. And then later on, we'll get the Snow White kind of montage, if you will. Uh, But the, the bar scene is more of the montage. We don't really have a montage in this one. We do have scenes of the gremlins all like jacking around and and kind of the destruction they do. But we don't have the real cool, awesome montage like we had in the first one. So that's something that the first one definitely does better than this one. But there's one sequence in particular that's fantastic. Probably, in most people's eyes, their favorite scene of the movie. Uh, Essentially, you know, we have Kate... At one point, she'll be in an elevator, you know, and she's like 38. And you have the gremlins say 38, 38, uh, you know. And then, of course, uh, they go super fast because the crazy crackhead one jacks things up and she crashes. And there's just chaos with Kate, you know, getting out of there and running into the naked uh, gremlin who flashed her in the first one. And she kicks him. Uh, so she kind of learned a lesson from the first one. So there's all this craziness happening with all the gremlins attacking people and stuff like that. Well, then we get to the point in the movie, and this is what's fun for me to tell this story is because uh, this is the sequence where the movie screws up and the gremlins take over the DVD, VHS, whatever the case may be. Now, when I first saw this movie, um, being in being in the south side of Chicago, uh, you know, it was, you know gangs, whatever the case may be. There there was this particular theater that uh, was called the Brighton Theater. Used to be a fantastic theater. Got really toward, you know, just real trashy, you know, kind of like the um like the last dragon theater. You know, a bunch of those dudes hanging in there, you know, throwing popcorn and beer and all that. That's the same kind of theater this was. I mean, there literally would be sometimes where you could see a rat in there. So there was always parts where movies would screw up. I remember watching Ninja Turtles. The movie screwed up. There was actually one time where the movie screwed up and they had to stop. Like you had to wait 20 minutes before real four would work, you know? So as I'm watching this movie and where the movie stops and it goes all like crazy and, and it looks like the film is jacking up. People in my, I remember this as a kid, people were so pissed. They were got up and they started throwing their soda and their popcorn at the screen. And they were calling everybody mother F for this and mother F for that. And, and they didn't realize it was part of the movie for the first time. This is actually supposed to happen people. And I'll never forget when those gremlins come on the screen, people were laughing hysterically. Of course, some people were getting escorted out for throwing all that stuff, but it was a blast for me because for once it was supposed to screw up and it was hilarious. Now, of course, prior to this scene, you know, I, I did kind of skip a little things. Uh, one of the things I really do enjoy is when they show Daniel Clamp, you can see that this guy is extremely bored. He just sits there. He has no idea what to do. He's just looking out his telescope. He's trying to think of things to do. But I like uh, on his TV, they're actually playing the same scene of A Wonderful Life. You know, when uh, Billy's mom is in the kitchen, she's cooking up the onions and stuff. And it's uh, the part where, you know, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, and that sequence of It's a Wonderful Life is playing in the TV in the background. I thought that was actually a really nice touch. 
And of course, this is where the, he gets his first experience with the gremlin saying, you know, coffee and uh, the gremlin will eventually get in the shredder and, and look like a big old thing of salad. Uh, you know, some of those funny scenes like that, you know, happen here. Uh, he kind of yells at the uh, the main guy. Uh, his character's name is uh, Froster, you know, the chief of security. This guy, he's all about he's supposed to get rid of the bugs, but this guy doesn't want to go anywhere near that kind of stuff. But of course, it takes Billy to go on the hunt and we get the different kind of gremlins. You know, we get the kind that uh, one turns into a tomato, one turns into a bat, one turns into electricity. Eventually, one's going to turn into a spider. And then, of course, the famous one, the one that gets the glasses, he's the one that's going to be able to talk, you know. So I definitely like the, the different direction they're going. Uh, of giving the gremlins themselves personality you know you have uh, obviously there's hundreds of them so you can't do it to all of them but at least in the first one you only had stripe that was the only one you really cared about the other ones they all looked the same you know they all had the same voice who really cares but at least in this one you got different personalities you can kind of tell them apart you can kind of tell who was the mogwai beforehand all that kind of stuff so i definitely enjoyed that and think that they definitely did much better in that aspect and, uh, you know, there's even one that gets acid thrown in his face who will eventually become a fan of the opera. And then we get introduced to, I guess, the female version of the Gremlins. I don't know. I I want to say this one's a cross-dresser, but in another sequence, he has boobs. So I'm thinking it's a female. I don't know. They never really get into it. And, of course, this Gremlin is in complete love with the chief of security, Froster, who has a ridiculous scene at the end of the movie with this gremlin. But it does say some funny things like, ah, what a hunk. And then why can't you ever commit? You know, stuff like that. Real funny. The gremlins this time around, you can very clearly understand what they're saying. You know, like, for example, I've watched the first one at least 50 times, at least. And it wasn't until like maybe two years ago that I caught that the gremlin next to Stripe watching Snow White says milk duds. Go get milk duds. I could never understand that. But now I can. I don't know what it was. I just I never heard the, the gremlin say milk duds. This one it's like microwave, you know, and all this and that. You can clearly tell what they're saying. So two thumbs up for at least giving the gremlins uh, better speech. It's some good times. And I even like the, the one, the electric one. Uh, the one that drinks the electricity juice, which of course becomes a big asset at the end of the movie of taking out all the gremlins. You know, that was pretty cool. And I like the fact that it gets tortured with having to listen to elevator music because Billy somehow gets it in the PA uh, system and it's stuck there on hold and has to listen to hold music. It's fantastic. It's just this movie does a really good job of just making big jokes. I didn't even talk about it. The rules, we all know that the rules is ridiculous, but they spend a whole like five minutes making fun of the rules of eating after midnight about, you know, having food stuck in your teeth. That wasn't your fault that you do that in different time zones. You know, we all know the rules are ridiculous. And I like the fact that they call out to that and they have a lot of fun making fun of that in this movie. It just this movie is just really good at making fun of itself. And that's the that's the whole fun of this movie. That's why it's so enjoyable and I think why it still has held the test of time because, you know, unlike the first movie, 
This one's more family-friendly, of course. I mean, this movie is rated PG-13, so clearly this is one of those movies that, you know, should have been rated PG-13, but back then everything was PG, you know, and we've talked about this in the past. But this one, like I said, it's just much more family-friendly compared to the first one. Uh, I definitely like, uh, you know, Mr. Clamp, and when he has to put in the video of, like, we're now going off the air because life has ended and he starts crying he's just like i said he's a really funny guy he's all about saving the city and then we get later shots of the gremlins watching godzilla eating people and the gremlins start laughing and uh gizmo in the meantime he's training to be rambo gets his bow and arrow ready ready to rock and roll he's finally upset and frustrated at the gremlins kicking his ass the whole movie and then uh Billy eventually gets hit over the head and he gets captured in a dentist chair. And that's when we get crackhead Mogwai about ready to drill in his teeth. And luckily, Mr. Futterman shows up just in time to help him out. So they get this crazy idea that in order to take out the gremlins, because uh, the original plan doesn't work. The original plan is that, okay, these guys are all in the building. They want to go out and, and have fun in New York as the guy who does the voice will say, you know, there's a lot of things we want to do. We want to enjoy this. We want to go to Times Square. We want to go to theater. I think we can watch uh, Crimes for free. He's just like, we want to have the same rights that you guys do. So they're clearly waiting for it to be night. So they turn the clocks three hours ahead. They set up this big, uh, like, screen outside, if you will, big matte painting uh, of outside. Let them know, hey, it's clear night so they can all go up front to the front doors because that's the only way you can go out. And then they'll drop the they'll drop the painting. The sun will come in and blast them all. Well, guess what? It starts to thunder. No more sunshine. So Billy's like, okay, how are we going to take these guys out? So as he finds Marla, because Marla actually shows up later on in this movie, and the spider, uh, the big spider, actually is going to eat her and eat kate but luckily gizmo comes to the rescue and uh this spike actually because it's the one it becomes says gizmo kaka and but actually gizmo finishes says gizmo kaka finish it sets the guy on fire and uh billy and mr futterman show up in the nick of time and the cool thing is is actually mr futterman holds gizmo as they're watching this gremlin uh, you know, just burn alive. I thought that was kind of a nice touch because Mr. Futterman is completely scared of these guys. He's never been right in the head since the first movie, but I thought it was a nice touch that they let him hold Gizmo. Let him, it lets everybody know that Gizmo, everybody loves Gizmo, you know? But basically, because the first plan didn't work, Billy decides that we got to get everybody wet. And they're like, what the hell are you thinking? But the thing you don't realize is that, hey, Mr. Futterman, we have... Another gremlin just sitting here on hold. He's electrified. We shoot this guy out the phone. He's going to electrocute everybody. Now, we get a little bit of a montage uh, right before this happens where some of them are singing. We actually get funny moments where it says, like, Acme Dynamite. And some guys are wearing, like, Ghostbuster-type shirts that says no gizmo on it. Stuff like that. Real funny. It's kind of really the only montage we have, but it's nothing that it never beats the snow white stuff and it never beats the stuff in the bar but it's still funny though it does a really good job of making fun of itself but no really great 
fantastic montage like those two ones are. And then, uh, you know, they all get wet. Billy shoots the electric gremlin out the phone. They all get electrocuted. They basically melt. It's the same effect as if the sun had touched them. That's essentially what they look like as they're all melting away. Uh, and it's some funny things. One of them saying, singing in the bathtub. Gizmo's kind of like, oh, wow. You know, go by now. You know, he goes back in the box. It's good stuff. And then, of course, Billy saves the day. Mr. Clamp comes in with his SWAT. They all try to go in the elevators. They have been jacked up the whole movie. I thought that was funny. They go in the first set of elevators. Doesn't work. Go in the second set of elevators. That doesn't work. And then he comes in. He slips on a gremlin. And uh, essentially, the dude has just lost his like billion dollar building that doesn't actually work anyways and he's totally cool about it he's like ah it's okay we're insured and maybe it's not a place for people and and then the people he gets mad at he gives them job he's just like you why were you you dracula why were you here you know reporting news when you were supposed to he goes I, I thought it was just newsworthy. He's like, yes, I'm going to make you an anchor. You know, he, th- this guy is the greatest boss ever because like I said, he never gets mad. And when you think he gets mad, you just give him, you just say something to him and like, he'll instantly get a new idea and he's ready to rock and roll again. So Daniel Clamp, probably the greatest boss in all the movies because he's so naive and so funny and so cool. Love this guy. So Marla actually gets a, a new job because she didn't do absolutely anything, but she has goo goo eyes for him. And then we get the worst scene of the movie. Um, And the reason why it's the worst scene is we should end this movie on Gizmo and Billy and Kate. And we don't. You know, we get a fantastic scene where Daniel Clamp wants to make Gizmo a doll. That, you know, the Garfield doll that sucks your cups on everybody's, uh, you know, windows. And Gizmo's like, I don't want to lose the headband. You know, he's like, I'm going to go by now. And he wants cable TV. He's like HBO, MTV, Nick and Knight. Real funny. And that should be the end of the movie. But no, we have to deal with the stupid chief of security, Froster, up in like, I don't know, 50th floor. And he has to make out with the stupid female gremlin. It's stupid, man. It's the dumbest scene in the whole movie. And that's the way you close it out. I know it's supposed to be for laughs, but I've always hated that scene. I always thought it was a terrible way to end the movie. So... With that being said, let's get into the rating of this sucker. Now, you guys know the first movie, five stars. It's an easy five stars. One of the easiest five stars I can give in a movie. The movie's fantastic. That's why it's my favorite Christmas movie. I showed a lot of love to that movie. No problem there. Okay. But is this movie five stars? I give this one solid four and a half. It's a step. It's a slight step down for a couple different reasons. Um, you know, Gizmo, the scenes I pointed out that are better than the original, uh, those are fantastic. However, you know, the the story is, you know, obviously a lot stronger in the first one because it's it's taken itself seriously. It's a really good scare. It's a really good horror movie, but also has a lot of great comedy in it. Uh, it's got, you know, fantastic moments with Gizmo. It's got a fantastic villain, you know, Stripe, even though the guy doesn't really say a whole lot, he's like the Joker. He's just, he just has that energy on screen where you're just like, wherever Stripe goes, you just want to, you know, you just want to see what this guy is going to do versus in this one, the talking guy doesn't even show up to like the last 40 minutes of the movie. And there's not really a gremlin that you're really rooting for. And there's fantastic montage, um, montage scenes and the music 
it's the same guy, you know, the, the same guy does the, the music in this one, which is, uh, you know, Jerry Goldsmith, fantastic score in the first movie. He does it in this one, but it's not as strong. And the moments of the, of the score are just fantastic in the first one. You know, Mr. Futterman's place getting tore down, you know, the bar sequence, we've talked about this, the, the Snow White sequence, the ending is great. Uh, it's just beautiful fantastic movie this one is the complete opposite it's not really a horror movie it's it's more it's just a straight-up comedy and that's cool i can appreciate that gizmo looks way better than he does in the first one billy and kate their relationship is better they even do a, a real funny sequence of everybody was bored with her montage of telling her dad's death scene in the first one and they do a real good joke of of cutting her off in this one i thought that was a really nice touch as well but it's just that it's such a different movie than the first one that I would say this. If you're looking for a comedy, throw this movie in. This is like, you know, if, if you're looking for comedy, this movie would be better for you than Gremlins 1. If you're looking for the for the horror comedy, you want to go with the first one. And the first one, even though it's technically a Christmas movie, it's like Lethal Weapon. You can watch that any year, you know, any day of the year. It works regardless of the fact that it's a Christmas movie. So that's the beauty of Gremlins. And... Obviously, you know, Gremlins lives on the legacy. Everybody loves Gizmo, but there's just that that Gizmo versus Stripe aspect makes the story that much better in the first one. We don't really have that in this one. Gizmo is just behind the scenes. He gets his ass kicked the whole movie. He's not really there. And it's an unfortunate because he looks so much better than he does in the first one. So the first one just has a little bit more uh, things going for it than the second one. But the second one, though, is still a fantastic film. So I give it a very, very strong four and a half. First one is obviously a five star. It's a fantastic series. I'm glad they never made part three. I think that was a brilliant idea. I hope they never do. Of course, we know the remake's going to come at some point, And I hope they don't screw it up. We shall see. So that is it, guys, for the review. Let's get into the emails and hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right, guys. So the first email comes from Cheerful Charlie, and Cheerful Charlie actually had something more to say than two words. So congratulations, sir. This is actually a really good email. Here's what he had to say. Hey, guys. I absolutely love Gremlins as well as the sequel, Gremlins to the New Batch. Great movie. I also want to express my interest in Gotham from the 30-second commercials that I've seen on Fox. It's a great idea, although the Smallville creators had come up with a similar idea, but they were denied due to a Batman movie. So I'm looking forward to Gotham, and we'll watch Gremlins on YouTube if it's available. So uh, in regards to Gotham, I'll be honest with you, uh, I'm a little bit skeptical on that. Even though I'm the big Batman guy, you know, the Arrow show is so fantastic. Uh, I'm really skeptical on how Gotham is going to be. But I will definitely give it the normal chance that I do all TV shows, three, four episodes. In fact, on Netflix, uh, I got into the show called Hemlock Grove, which is a werewolf show. Fantastic. I loved it. I thought it was excellent. So if you have Netflix, I highly recommend you check out uh, 
uh, Hemlock Grove. It's got uh, Jean Grey from the X Men movies. She stars in the movie in the TV show. It's excellent. So that was from Cheerful Charlie. So thank you, sir, for writing it. All right, our next one comes from Time Traveling Peter. Here's what he had to say: Greetings, Masunis and the STL Nation. I hope you are enjoying your summer thus far. Despite being unemployed, I am, sir. Uh, really quick about some recent movie news. I really like the look of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I know some people would prefer her to be much more bigger. Uh, I actually am fine with the way she looks. Not to sound pervy, but if you check out her legs, you see that they are long and she'll be just as tall as bats and soups. So at least she won't be 5'5 and stubby. Uh, I understand what you're trying to say, sir. I also caught the leak teaser footage of batman vs superman i did as well and boy am i excited uh, i saw two different angles of the footage and from what i saw i enjoyed now on the gremlins 2 the tone of this sequel is much more different than the first it's a lot sillier and really over the top and i don't say that is an insult nope not at all john uh, joe dante knows what this movie is and just goes for it in a lot of the scenes billy and kate return but i don't see a change of personalities much this one is definitely more of a gremlins movie and not a movie about billy and his pet mogwai my favorite agree because Gizmo takes a back seat, so I, I agree with you 100%. My favorite Gremlin was the cross-side one. It's the creepiest looking, I think. Uh, if they did a third movie, I'd like to see it return to the tone of the first movie. This movie is fun and campy, but I can still enjoy it. Overall, I give it 3.75 stars, slightly less than the first one. Until the next episode, Time Traveling Peter. Well, there you go, sir. Great job uh, on the email there, sir. Uh, I see you don't love it as much as I do, but that's cool. You know, I have a lot of nostalgia. Gremlins is one of my all-time favorite series so i i've i've seen i don't know if i've seen part two more than i've seen part one but it's still you know still fantastic just a slight just a slight step down from the first one and our final email comes from the one the only jameson very good rabbit and here is what he had to say hey mike i like the second gremlins less than i like the first one that's similar to how i feel about ghostbusters or indiana jones or predator however i like empire strikes back more than i like star wars have you seen empire it's so good yes sir i have seen empire strikes back now I know Empire Strikes Back is your favorite Star Wars movie of all time, which in most people's eyes is the best Star Wars movie. I've always said Return of the Jedi is my favorite, and at some point I'm going to uh, I'm going to state my reasons on why I feel Return of the Jedi is my favorite. Hopefully, sir, you will join me on the review of your favorite movie, Empire Strikes Back. You, we did my favorite movie, The Karate Kid. Let's do yours, hopefully. Any Star Wars haters we get, we'll just throw their emails away. We don't care. And uh, it'll be fun. Good times. So thank you, sir, for writing. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. That was awesome. Now let's get into the music spotlight.
All right, guys, I got a really fun one for you today. Uh, you know, let's be honest here. Uh, being unemployed, you know, I used to listen to music every day at work, and I haven't really been able to do that too much. So I don't really have a whole lot of new music I've been jamming to. Uh, although in the Facebook group, the STL Underground Hour, there's been a really fun game that we've been doing lately. We've been uh, posting some new music videos, stuff like that. It's been really cool. Uh, but there's a song that uh, the girls, my girls and I, have been jamming to lately. And it's been making me feel real good. You know, I got a, a job fair coming up tomorrow. Uh, you know, I've been doing the same thing for 13 years. You kind of get lost. Uh, you kind of lose a little bit of yourself. So I'm excited to see some new doors open. So I've been cranking it up a little bit. So there's a song that I've played before in the Underground Hour, but I've never actually showcased it as a music spotlight song. And it's just super fun. It's an Ashley Tisdale song called Crank It Up. Uh, it's phenomenal, man. It's just a, a flat-out amazing pop your you know, fist in the air. It's a great summer summertime song. Just crank it up. And that's what I've been doing lately, man. It's just, you know, hanging out with my girls, going driving. We we play this song. We crank it up. It's been super fun. It's awesome. Uh, now, before I end the show with this amazing, fun song, which you've heard before if you listen to Underground Hour, I got a contest I want to do for you guys. Really easy, uh, really fun. And by the way, uh, there's, a, there's a website that I have, which if you don't know, is www.stlpodcast.com. Uh, I released it about five months ago. It took me a while to create it, but I recently had to renew, and uh, unfortunately, it was pretty costly. And I created this website for you guys. You know, I wanted it to be the home of the STL Nation. You know, I have a section for you guys for all the members, your nicknames, what you mean to me, your your role in the nation, uh, all the links to YouTube and Stitcher and and Facebook groups, YouTube and uh, it just all that stuff. I know I've said YouTube twice. It's it's a great place for consolidation. So I, I hope you guys are checking it out. Maybe share it with your friends. You know, I definitely don't want it to go to waste. But be a part of the STL Nation on Facebook. Uh, we do a lot of fun stuff there. It's it's very active. We got a really fun game going on about sequels. Uh, you know, STL Films was to create a movie. What sequel do you want to be? Uh, we got some real funny titles going on. It's super fun. So make sure you check out the website. Make sure you come on over to the STL Nation. Participate with us. It's super fun. And uh, recently on the STL Nation, I posted The Legend of Billie Jean. Uh, the Blu-ray came out this past week, and I called Walmart. I was like, hey, you got the Legend of Billy Jean? They're like, no, we're not getting it. I'm like, for real? So I go to eBay. I order a copy, 16 bucks. Next day, I go shopping. I find it in a bargain bin. I was pissed. But uh, good old Professor X, Ivan, he's like, hey, why don't you give away one for your contest? I was like, that's, a, that's an excellent idea. So here's what I'm going to do with the contest. It's very easy. Actually, I got a little bonus to go along with the uh, with the Blu-ray. Essentially, I got two copies of The Legend of Billie Jean. Uh, the one I bought from Walmart because I figured I didn't take it back. Why don't I give it away? So this contest is for two things. It's The Legend of Billie Jean and an STL t-shirt. Um, my boy Hurricane Andrew made me an STL t-shirt. Maybe you know about this. Maybe you don't. But he basically the t-shirt has the logo on it with the slogan that says very good times. He actually sent me um, two other copies of the t-shirt. The coloring's a little bit off. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give away a t-shirt and the Blu-ray. And here's how you play the game. All you got to do is send me an email to stlpodcast at gmail.com and Put down what do you want, the Legend of Billie Jean Blu-ray or the STL t-shirt or both. And all you got to do is simply state, why do you deserve to win the contest? That's all you got to do. 
And unless your answer is supreme dominant, anybody who writes in for this, I'm going to collect all you guys. I'll give you guys about a week or two. I'll collect all you guys and uh, put your name in a hat. I'll do a YouTube video. I'll pull the name out of the hat and announce the winner right then and there. That's all you got to do. Simple contest, just a way to say thanks, you know, as a, you know, kind of, uh, you know, as a celebration, if you will. I got my unemployment was approved, so I got money coming in, thank God. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a nice, fun way of giving away an extra Blu-ray I have of a great movie. It was super fun having Jameson and his wife on there. I got an extra T-shirt, and I'll, sh- I'll send you a picture of the STL T-shirt. If you don't like the coloring, I will get you a, a pristine, perfect edition uh, ordered for you and sent to you. That's what we're going to do. It'll be super fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you guys participate and uh, write in. And with that being said, guys, the next movie is going to be a special one. It's uh, Assault on Arkham, Batman. As you know, Batman Arkham City is my favorite video game of all time. And in the series, Batman Arkham Origins was created after City, but it was done by a different developer. The the actual developer of the Arkham games is Rocksteady, and they're making Arkham Knight, which comes out in a few months, but another developer did Arkham Origins. Well, when you get to the end of the game, it sets up the Suicide Squad, and that's what this movie is. It's basically taking place after this game. So I'm going to review this. It'll be the first time I ever do a DC animated movie on the podcast comes out next week i know a lot of you out there are going to get it and uh, i'll give you guys the history on the arkham games as i review this movie hopefully it doesn't suck so if you want to write in for that please do so stlpodcast at gmail.com and uh, that's the next movie i can't wait for and then be on the lookout for the katie perry top 10 underground hour episode it's going to be good time so hope you guys write in for the contest i hope you enjoyed this episode thanks so much for joining me it was a blast And I will catch you guys on the next episode. So until then, have a good one. Take care. Masunas out.